in that light, I don't know if you saw the news this morning or not, but earlier this morning in uh, Egypt, in Cairo, in a Coptic Christian church, um, apparently a woman that had been radicalized in some way walked into uh, this very traditional church setting where the way they're, part of their expression of worship is the men, in, the men are on one side and the women and kids are on the other side of the sanctuary. Uh, a lady came in and put a heavy bag underneath the pews and left. And a few minutes later, a bomb exploded, killing, first reports were 25 people. And uh, there are many others that are severely wounded. And uh, we need to be reminded, first of all, that we have brothers and sisters on the other side of the world. Those Coptic Christians have been targeted in so many ways in Cairo and other places around the world. And we need to pray for them. There are families just like us that we're worshiping just like we are that have to now experience the loss of life of children, wives and mothers. And so we need to pray for them today. But it's also a reminder of the freedoms that we do have. And uh, on a much more positive note, we were told earlier uh, that uh, there's a group of our military personnel, <clears throat> uh, one of them attends our church, that uh, every week they get together as a group and they watch our messages online. Isn't that awesome? And uh, because of their sacrifice, we have freedoms uh, that, that many around the world don't. So can you do me a favor? They're going to watch one of our messages this week. Can we just thank them for what they're doing and the sacrifice that they're making? Yeah. We, uh, we want you guys to know we love you and we're praying for you. Many of you we don't even know, uh, but we realize the sacrifice that you make is very, very real, and uh, the sacrifice your families make is very real as well. Can we pray real quick? Father, thank you for um, the freedoms that we have, and today we do pause to pray for our brothers and sisters in Cairo that have experienced this tragic loss of life. Lord, we know it's just one in a series of things that that these Christians, our brothers and sisters, have faced. We pray for them today as they grieve. Today was supposed to be a holiday for them. And now they're fighting through the loss of life and many others that are hospitalized because of this senseless act of violence. Lord, we pray that somehow you will thwart this evil, that you will disrupt their plans. When they come up with ideas like this, God, would you just intervene in significant ways? And Lord, we realize there's evil in this world. And we thank you for these men and women that we just uh, said hello to and many others around the world that are sacrificing their own lives, putting themselves in harm's way. And they do it willingly because they know that's their calling. And we pray for them, Lord, that you would keep them safe, be with their families back home, especially as we're moving towards Christmas. Um, the distance will seem greater. Um, comfort their hearts. Let them know that we love them, that we care about them, and that we pray for them. God, you be with us today, too, because we know that even this Christmas, here in this valley, there are many that are going through tough times. So will you help us today to be reminded that the story of Christmas is something that's not just the, the happy postcards and Christmas cards and shows we see on TV, but sometimes the emotion is real because of what we're going through, too. We love you, Father. Be with us today. In your name we pray. Amen. So I was trying to think about how to start today's message, and uh, I heard a story that I think sets it up well. Uh, several years ago, there was an elementary class that um, was preparing for their Christmas presentation. 
So all the little ones were trying out for the different parts, and there were two boys in this elementary school that wanted to be Joseph in the, uh, in the presentation. And uh, you might remember what it was like to be in elementary school. These two little guys were rivals, and uh, they competed against each other hard, and, and they, uh, they pretended like they didn't like each other much. Um, but they both tried out for the play, and they both wanted to be Joseph, and of course only one of them got it. The little guy that really wanted to be Joseph ended up being uh, the innkeeper instead. And he was pretty depressed about that, and he had a little bit of an evil side to him. So while they were rehearsing, he kept trying to think of ways that he could get after his little buddy that was Joseph. <clears throat> and uh, so he came up with a plan, and on the night of the presentation, all the moms and dads and grandparents and brothers and sisters and aunts and uncles and family and friends were there gathered around. They had this cool set built, and uh, they were depicting the story of Christmas. And <clears throat> so Mary and Joseph came walking across uh, the platform, heading towards the little part of the set that was the inn, and behind the door was this innkeeper kid. And so Joseph came over, and he knocked on the door, and the innkeeper opened the door, and off cue, in a very gruff voice, said, what do you want? And it kind of took Joseph aback a little bit, and he was like, geez, you know, that's not the way we practiced it, right? And he said, well, my wife and I have been traveling from afar, and she's great with child. We need a place to stay. Is there any room in the inn? And the innkeeper smiled really big, and he said, why, yes, there is. Come on in. I'll give you the best room in the house. And Joseph literally froze, because hopefully you know the story, right? There's not supposed to be any room in the inn. And Joseph didn't know how to respond, so very quickly, kind of sick to his stomach, he improvised, and he stuck his head in the door where the innkeeper was, and he looked to the left, and he looked to the right, and he said, I'll tell you what, no wife of mine's going to sleep in a dump like this. Come on, Mary, let's go to the barn right and off they walked to the stable so why do I tell you that story Here, here's the reality and you get it you know it sometimes life doesn't go according to script right uh, sometimes it's not how you wanted it to go down and for whatever reason, Christmas, it seems to supercharge the emotion of that. There are people that are here today, and I know, I know some of your stories. Because this has been a tough year. And you've been fighting. Sometimes it's a loved one that was lost. I've done a lot of funerals this year. Um, we have three families that have lost loved ones to suicide this year. Um, sometimes it's issues with our kids. Um, sometimes it's financial difficulties and stuff with work. Sometimes it's sickness, walking with loved ones and family through the challenges of that. Can we just be real today? Sometimes Christmas is not quite as perfect as we make it out to be. 
And so today we're going to talk about a blue Christmas. And how do we, how do we navigate it? How do we push through? And how do we not lose the joy that our Heavenly Father wants us to have in our lives? So can you bow your heads for just a moment? I want you to pause and reflect. As a matter of fact, eyes still closed. Can you just take a really deep breath? Just take a deep breath. Hold it for a second. And just let it out. Father, that's kind of metaphoric of what we, some of us today, need, need to experience. So will you give us a fresh perspective today? Will you help us to sense your closeness and your desire to be in the middle of our life even when it feels like a blue Christmas. Do this one more time. Take another deep breath. And I'm going to ask you right now, you can let it out. Come and see what the Lord has done. Thank you. 
So as we're getting started, the importance of this time of year is for us to just kind of get our eyes back where it needs to be, uh, even in the midst of some of the difficulties that we have to face. And so I know that uh, life uh, can be tough. Um, I've walked with many of you through some very difficult times, and the Christmas just seems to just kind of put the magnifying glass on the, the challenges sometimes, and it feels a little bit more real, and we're more aware, and we're um, interacting with people that we don't see uh, as much, uh, and uh, maybe there's a reason for that sometimes, and those things become very, very real. We want it to be perfect, and it seems like when we look at everyone else's lives, it seems like they might have a little closer to perfection than we do and wish it could be that way for us. We all want the white Christmas, right? And then we get together, and Grandma gets drunk, and she starts to talk about Trump, right? And then, uh, you know, you wish that, you wish Grandma would get run over by a reindeer, right? <clears throat> And uh, that, that's real. Those things, those things happen. And so how are we going to handle it? Maybe life doesn't seem as cheerful. A loved one has passed away or a family friend or family member has moved away. And you're going to uh, kind of grieve the difference there. Or you're struggling in relationships. Uh, for one reason or another, as we head into Christmas, you might even be kind of dreading this time of year because of what you're facing. Um, what had promised to be a Christmas uh, filled with fun suddenly becomes a blue Christmas, and it's reflective of Elvis's song, right? You remember what happened to him? Um, he lost his girlfriend, and so he wrote a song, right? I'll have a blue Christmas, that's certain. And when all that blue heartache starts hurting, you'll be doing all right with your Christmas of white, but I'll have a blue, blue Christmas. We've all had an element or two of blueness in our Christmases, no doubt. Uh, many of you know the story in my family. My dad has Alzheimer's and has now for over a decade. And my dad was great at Christmas because he loves Jesus and he loves to give gifts. And, whew, man, there's a sense of loss there. And some of you are walking through that with your loved ones, too. And you know that kind of evil of, of this disease is that you're gone, but you're not. And so we grieve the loss of dad, but he's still here, and he can't interact with us, and he can't uh, enjoy Christmas like we wish that we could, like we remember we did. This will also be a different Christmas for the Miller family under my roof, because this will be the first time uh, since we had kids that we won't have all of them back. Uh, Luke, our second son, has been uh, with a ministry called YWAM, and uh, he's been in a discipleship training school for the last two and a half months and later tonight, he's going to hop on a plane. We haven't seen him since September and fly to the Philippines for another two and a half months doing ministry there. So this will be the first time. And mom's freaking out about it, right? Like, I'm fine. <laughs> no. Um, we have Plum Creek family that literally have family that are deployed on the other side of the world this Christmas. Um, we have... Plum Creek family that are facing the reality of relational stress and maybe even feel like they're heading towards a divorce or are dealing with a divorce for the first time this year. We have Plum Creek family that are fighting through sickness and disease. We have Plum Creek family that are fighting through tough situations financially and struggling with employment issues. We have Plum Creek family that are dealing with uh, difficult circumstances with their children Merry Christmas, right? We know that sometimes it can be tough. How do, we, how do we do this? So grab your journey guides, and I want you to take some notes today, because I want to help 
uh, you to think about some ways that maybe we can overcome some of the challenges we might be facing this Christmas and not allow the joy of this season to be robbed from us. If it's not for you, it's for someone perhaps that you know. So how do we do this? Because I know tough times, depending on how we respond, uh, can either cause bitterness and even anger to grow towards God or... If we respond properly, they can become the catalyst to experiencing a whole new depth of relationship with him. So how do we do that? When it seems like life is heading off script, right? The curveball is thrown and we weren't expecting it, and life now seems like it's completely off script. How do we we navigate that? My main thought this weekend is this. Please write it down. Remembering truth helps me cope with Christmas. Remembering truth helps me cope with Christmas. The first thing that I want you to remember is this. Tough times and challenge are part of life. Tough times and challenge are part of life. Now, we like to think that that's not the case. And we like to try and mitigate all the tough stuff as much as possible and run away from it as much as possible. We actually, in our minds, think that we shouldn't have to go through tough times and challenges. We think that. But we just know it's not true. As a matter of fact, Jesus said this in John 16, 33. I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you maybe will have. Is that what it says? It says you will have. It doesn't seem like there's an option here for a trouble-free life. You will have many trials and sorrows. Look at the second part of this verse, though. But take heart, because I have overcome the world. Thank God that's why he came. That's why we celebrate Christmas So when the crap hits the fan, we get our eyes on him and we see, you know what? He navigated this thing. He did it. And because he came, he's in the middle of it with us too. And we're going to be able to push through the tough times of life too. Instead of yearning for a problem-free life and spending so much time trying to make that happen, I think we can have a new perspective when tough times come because they provide an opportunity for us to highlight our awareness of God's presence even during the tough times. Remembering truth helps me cope with Christmas, and difficulties and challenges are just part of life. The second thing that I want you to remember or to see is that uh, the first Christmas wasn't trouble-free either. And we think it was, because we see the little manger scene that's probably on your mantle or on your coffee table somewhere, and it's just very sterile and perfect, right? But we know that's not the case. There were some very real things that were happening As a matter of fact, the Christmas story is the story of a teenage girl that's pregnant with a child that's not her husband's. It's the story of a child born in a dirty animal stall. It's the story of innocent boys being killed because the king was freaking out that one of them might be a rival king. It's the story of someone sent into the world in peace who was yet condemned to die. It's the story of a light purposely sent to shine in the darkness and the world tried to snuff it out. And it's the story of God's never-ending love, his self-giving mercy, which all too often was rejected and condemned. If we took a look at it, and we really thought about the perspective of some of the people in that first Christmas story, we we would have to agree together that there are just a few elements there that for sure would indicate that that was, at least in some places, a blue Christmas too. If we looked at only the things that were wrong about the birth of Jesus and the challenge of all of that, we would would kind of lose our hope and joy a little bit. And this happens. See, this is is what happens in our lives. And uh, you know if you're going through a tough time, this is what happens, is that we can become so fixated 
on the negativity of our circumstance and situation that we miss out on all the rest of the good stuff that's still happening in life too. And that's a trick of our enemy. It's a trick of our enemy to kind of rob us of our joy, to take us away from some of the really positive, great things that are happening in life too. That's why it's so important for us to do what we're doing today, and that's remember the truth that will help us cope with Christmas. The third thing that I want you to see, and this is such an interesting thing about Christmas that is just really hardwired into this celebration anyway, and that's also that we need to remember to keep your focus on Jesus. See, it's easy for our focus to be drawn off of all kinds of things, and it's one of the things that I don't like about Christmas is that it's become so crazy and the pace quickens so much and there seems to be so much responsibility and we're all scurrying around trying to get everything done and our shopping done and the house decorated and things baked and parties gone to and you know all of this stuff that's part of this celebration and if we're not careful it takes us off our eyes off of Jesus doesn't it we got to do something to keep our eyes on Jesus. And so you need to figure out how to integrate that into what you do. But what I really love, you know, you'll hear people say in our culture today, we just live in this godless society today. And I get it. There's an element of truth to that. But you come Christmas Eve and you better get here early. Because there's something about this time of year that just draws us to a gathering, doesn't it? The churches will be full in Castle Rock and it fires all of us pastors up. I hope it fires you up too. And I hope you're using this time of year as a strategic opportunity to invite somebody that doesn't have a church home. But you better get here early because it will be crazy. And there's something about the magnetism of this time of year that draws us back to this little baby Jesus. And we know it has to be more than just part of the celebration. It needs to be the celebration. It needs to be the focus of what we do this time of year. The Hebrew writer said it this way in Hebrews 12. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. Look at verse 2. How do we do it? We do this by keeping, by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Now, look at verse 3. This is powerful. For those that are struggling, think about this. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people then you won't become weary and give up. Keep your eyes on Jesus. And I, again, I know, I know what some of you are facing, and I know this is really difficult. I know it's challenging, and I've had tough stuff. You've had, we've all had tough things that we have to endure. And I've walked with some families through some really hard things this year. And what we need to do together is keep our eyes on Jesus. And we need to remember why he came and what he went through. When we keep our eyes on Jesus, things begin to look just a little bit different. What I know for sure is if you get your eyes off Jesus, the challenges of life, the things that we are facing are going to become more overwhelming by the, and it, the craziness of life will take over. And we know it's not ultimately just about a baby in a manger because someone once said this, unless we see the shadow of the cross falling on the manger, we're not seeing Christmas clearly. We know the baby came, but he came on purpose. He came intentionally to walk towards the ultimate sacrifice to provide relationship for us, that our sins could be forgiven, that we might be in relationship with him and have new, listen, eternal perspective, eternal perspective. Realizing and understanding that this life is just temporary so we keep our focus on the Lord and follow Jesus' example, doing what he did. 
He told us in John 6, 38, for I have come down from heaven to do the will of God who sent me not to do my own will. So he followed his heavenly father's plan and when things got tough, he kept his focus because I know the enemy of our souls wants us to become so overwhelmed with the things that we have to face uh, to the point that we can't even celebrate the incredible God that we're celebrating this time of year. Um, Our amazing God, ultimately even robbing us of the joy that we're supposed to have during this season. Jesus said it this way, there is a very real enemy of our soul and the thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. And he's good at it. He's done that in your life. He's done it in mine. And if we're not on high alert, we need to be reminded he's coming. He wants to do that to your Christmas this year. He wants to take the true meaning of it and snuff it out in your life. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus, Jesus, when we keep his eyes on him, we see he does it different, you see. His purpose is to give them a rich and to give us a rich and a satisfying life. A very different plan. Without Jesus, life can become depressing and even scary. And so we need to to be reminded of this constant theme. I've been reading through the Christmas story over and over, almost every day I've been reading through the Christmas story and uh, just reminded of some of the consistency of communication. And there's one particular message that is just, it just resounds loud and clear. If you read it a few times, it'll jump off the page to you too. This consistent theme is this, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. When chaos hits, you don't know where you're going, You don't know how you're going to make it. When everything seems confusing, don't be afraid. The angels keep communicating that to Zechariah, to Joseph, Mary, and then to the shepherds. Why? Why don't we be afraid? Just like the angel said, don't be afraid. I bring you good news. You bring you, me, good news of great joy that will be for all the people, every single one of us. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you He is Christ the Lord. Again and again and again, God tells his people, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Why? Because the good news is for real. And it's for you. And he sent his son so that we would be able to experience it. Jesus said it this way in in Matthew. And uh, he said this in Matthew, and I just lost my notes, so I need to open this back up again. (laughs) Sorry, I've never had that happen before. In Matthew chapter uh, 11, verse 28, then Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens. And look at this. It says this, I will give you rest. Look at me for a second. How's that sound? Does some rest sound okay to you? Actually, that sounds really good to me. As a matter of fact, that's better than taking it away sometimes. Because that's not what he says. Come to me and I'll take all the hard stuff away. He says, come to me and I will give you rest. And he continues in verse 29, take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart. And you will, again, look, he will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. Again, he doesn't take it away. He just gives us rest. We've got to remember why he came. And, and I know the other part of the challenge with this time of year is that sometimes the blueness of Christmas is because of things that other people have done or said to us. And the wound is there. The pain is still very real. And 
And so when we think about getting together for the holidays, it kind of brings those things back to light. And um, there's either two ways that's going to go down. You see, leading up to your Christmas celebration, you're either going to rehearse that over and over and over again, allowing it, when you fixate on it, to take you down, or you're going to release it, and you're going to do like Jesus did, and you're going to forgive. And we have to remember that forgiveness, and I've said this before, and I'm going to say it all many, many, many more times, forgiveness and trust are not the same. They're never linked in Scripture. God calls us to forgive. Trust is something that's earned. If we don't forgive, it'll rot you from the core of your soul. We have to learn how to quit rehearsing over and over again the pain that we've experienced. Learn to forgive, and in doing that, we release the overwhelming burden that we carry because of things that people have said and done to us. So we need to remember that truth will help us cope with Christmas, and we do this by knowing tough times are part of life, that even the first Christmas wasn't perfect. Uh, we need to keep our eyes on Jesus, and finally, the joy. The joy comes from being a blessing, from being a blessing. I want you to hear this today. Joy will come from being a blessing. Sometimes we get so fixated on our stuff and we get stuck in that rut that we forget that part of the reason we're here is to be a blessing to other people as well. And we can become so narcissistic, even about our own troubles, that we forget to reach out and be a blessing to other people too. It says in Proverbs eleven twenty five, the one who blesses others is abundantly blessed. It's magic. It just happens. Those who help others are helped. I promise there's something that happens inside of us when we get our eyes off our circumstance get our eyes on Jesus, have big ears to follow his lead, and when he says, there's one, there's an opportunity, jump in and be involved with that one, and you do it, something happens inside of you. When you get your eyes off of your stuff and begin to care about the people that are around you, and that's so counterintuitive when we're dealing with a blue Christmas. Because the reason it's blue is we get so just dialed into our own uh, tough circumstance that we forget to be able to be a blessing around us. And like I said, it's almost like magic when you do it. If you haven't experienced it, let me tell you something you're missing out. If you're overwhelmed by your life circumstances, one of the things that I've learned is you have to figure out how to stop the vicious cycle. It'll take you down. And how do we stop that cycle? If you want some joy back in your life, if you want life change, life-giving change, be a blessing to someone and live like Jesus selflessly. Care about others. And think about creative ways to do that. How do we do that well? Man, we, we, we are aware. And we, listen, you know other people that are going through tough times. What if you just wrote them in the encouraging note you wish you got? What if you took the time out of your busy schedule to just say to someone you know, hey, can we, can we go get grab a quick cup of coffee? And uh, don't talk about your stuff. Just talk about their stuff. See what happens. When we do that, maybe you know a family that's struggling this time of the year and you can... Think of a way to reach out and be a blessing to them. Figure out a way to be a blessing, and I promise it will change your perspective. You know, there's going to be dark moments. There were dark moments surrounding Jesus' life. It's just part of it. But if we focus only on those things, see, the reality is they paled in comparison to what that baby child was going to do. What he was going to do as he went to the cross to bring us light and salvation. And of course, we realize this world can be a harsh place. Many of you have gone through some of the the challenge of that. Um, real bad things do happen, and those real hardships and tragedies are things that inevitably we're all going to have to face. 
But see, the beautiful part of the story of Jesus in his birth is this. We will never, ever have to face these things alone. Never. Because he's, listen, Emmanuel. So I wonder what it is that you're facing today. He is Emmanuel. God with us. God with us. And thank God that he is. Would you bow your head for just a moment? This morning as I was going over my notes and just thinking through and man, my heart was just stirred because I knew what I was going to be talking about today and I realized uh, some of the things that many of you have faced this year and it was kind of, truthfully, it was kind of a, an emotional morning. And I was thinking about what, what we need to do to be able to respond to these challenges. And I was reminded of an old hymn that we used to sing with your head bowed and your heart wide open, listen to this. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Father, we need to feel Emmanuel with us. And I know today in this, in this service, there are several people that are going through some really, really tough times. And this time of year that's supposed to be all joyful and perfect uh, is not. And our hearts are heavy if we're truthful, some, for some, we're just ready for it to be over. Because it's just a reminder of the, the things that we're facing, the tough times and the relationships that are strained and sickness and job stuff and a sense of loss. Um, grieving that this will be a different Christmas, maybe for some for the first time, because someone's not going to be there. God, today we thank you that you are Emmanuel, God with us. Lord, will you help us to be reminded today that the truth is that sometimes life is tough. The first Christmas was tough too. And will you help us today to get our eyes on you? Off the challenging, difficult stuff and on you. And then give us those big ears to hear your voice, to think creatively about how we can be a blessing to others. And in the process, God, will you do something in us that will help us to focus in differently and return the joy that we feel like we've lost? Lord, for each of us too, and there are many that are here that aren't dealing with that right now, but they know somebody that is, help us this week to reach out to somebody and to make a difference in their life. You give us the words to say and the opportunity to do that, and we'll follow your lead. We love you, Father. In your name we pray, amen.